My name is Eva, and I love to read, especially this book, The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory. This book, published in 2010, is a historical novel, part of the miniseries called The Cousin's War, and the eighth novel in the ongoing series, which is called The Plantagenet and Tudor Novels. The novel is set during the English Wars of the Grosers, a bloody conflict for the crown of England fought between the houses of York and Lancaster. And the Red Queen tells the story of Margaret Beaufort, the mother of the future King Henry VII. Margaret Beaufort was a real historical person, a woman of importance during the Wars of the Roses and her later son's reign. You might have seen her portrayed by the actor Amanda Hale in the TV series adaptation of this and three other Philippa Gregory novels that were merged into two series, The White Queen and The White Princess. This is a light spoiler review, inasmuch as I will refer to the real historical events in the life of Margaret Beaufort. In this novel, we follow Margaret Beaufort who was born in 1443, the only child and heir to her father's large fortune and vast estates of the Dukedom of Somerset. She is the great-great-granddaughter of the late King Edward III, and she is a cousin to the current Henry VI. Her inheritance, which passed to her when she was two years old, makes Margaret one of the wealthiest little girls in England. But despite her precedence in the noble houses of England, she is a member of the Royal House of Lancaster. Margaret grows up in a household where she is treated indifferently, and she is raised by a mother who only rarely shows her signs of love. She is raised by a mother who more than once tells her that Margaret's only importance is derived from the fact that her future sons will be the heirs to the House of Lancaster. At the age of nine, Margaret wishes to become a nun, but her importance in that unstable political world she lives in means she is instead betrothed to the Welsh nobleman Edmund Tudor, a half-brother to King Henry VI. At the tender age of 13, she is already married and pregnant, with all around her desiring her to produce a boy who will be second in line to the throne. Margaret goes into a brutal two-day labour, during which she learns that her mother has instructed the midwives to save the child at the expense of Margaret's life should the birth prove difficult. From here on, then, the story unfolds as the events of the conflicts between the houses of York and Lancaster increasingly impact the life of young Margaret Beaufort. Margaret is widowed before she is 14 and separated from her young son, Henry, who, because of his importance, is given into the guardianship of her late husband's brother, Jasper Tudor, with whom Margaret fortunately shares a close relationship. But she is not allowed to stay with Jasper and Henry. In the book, Margaret is married three times, though in real life she was on her fourth marriage by the age of 40, two previous husbands having died in the wars. 
Margaret experiences hopes raised and crushed, loss, defeat, and through sheer stubbornness and utter conviction in her own divine right to greatness, Margaret survives the turmoil of the Wars of the Roses, even as allies and enemies around her are killed. This novel is a fictional telling of a real historical person, something the author, Philippa Gregory, has stressed on numerous occasions. Philippa Gregory herself is a historian with considerable knowledge of this period, and in this book, she has written her own interpretation of the inner life of Margaret Beaufort, and the story is a character study on how this woman lived through these chaotic times. As the novel begins, the young Margaret must contend with two equally strong but opposing forces. On the one hand, she is from a very young age aware that she is an heiress whose title and fortune are discussed at court, and she knows she is a central part of the royal line. On the other hand, she is treated as a silly, foolish child whose opinion no one takes seriously or even cares to listen to. To reconcile these two opposing forces in her life, the novel suggests that Margaret as a child found solace in the belief that she was secretly called to greatness by God, something that will then be revealed when she becomes the saviour of the realm. It is no coincidence that her idol is Joan of Arc, a girl who herself came from obscurity to lead the French armies to victories. Now this, of course, mirrors many children's early childhood fantasies in which they are a princess and this will be all revealed at some time. Except Margaret was already a titled girl and the unique thing about her in this book is that she retains throughout her life the conviction that she is secretly chosen by God, firstly through herself and her own pious acts, and later through her son. She is called out for this by her husband, who remarks on how God's will always seems to align with what Margaret wants and Margaret's will but such remarks only act to reaffirm Margaret's belief that she is alone in the world, rather than making her question herself. And in truth, this is a deep character study of a person who is very much alone, physically and geographically on many occasions, but also emotionally. Margaret is torn away from her son, whom she only spends one year with, but whom she loves unconditionally. She is geographically apart from that one man whom she truly loves, and she is emotionally distant to all save her own secret hopes and desires. The Wars of the Roses is seen through the eyes of Margaret, who is often far from battlefields and war chambers. So it is the ramifications of battle the rumours of horrors and the uncertainty of the aftermath that we as readers get to know. And the author, Philippa Gregory, excellently portrays how fear can grip those who are affected by war, but not in a position to fight or even have their voice heard. 
The author also paints a stark picture of the duties laid down on a girl born into a noble house. Now, such a girl would never go hungry to bed, but she would be subject to the whims of political change, shifted from one guardian to another as alliances were formed and reformed, and married off to those her family deemed important for their own cause. Margaret comes to internalize this and speaks with ambivalence of marrying for love, even as she secretly longs for one man. This is a woman's story, but there exists a fine balance between men and women in the novel. There are good and bad on each side, and Philippa Gregory maps out the reasons for the bad behaving badly, giving at least the main characters a three-dimensional portrayal. The author's fine storytelling also allows the reader to see circumstances from different points of view. So while Margaret is the protagonist and House of York are her lifelong enemies whom she deems as absolute evil, by the very comments Margaret makes about her enemies, we as readers come to gain insight into their lives and their actions. Philippa Gregory makes excellent use of the literary device of conversation to offer up counterpoints to Margaret's claims about the wars. As Margaret talks with her husband, Lord Stafford, and later Lord Stanley, we the reader get to know a more tempered perspective on the conflicts between the houses of York and Lancaster than that which Margaret offers, and this widens the world outwardly, even as we are immersed in Margaret's inner world. As a reader, you will be moved by Margaret, you will be confounded by her, but ultimately you will wish her happiness and some small peace of mind, something that so often eludes her. The novel tips ever so lightly into the supernatural with people applying profound meaning to dreams and possible prophecies. But it is also heavily implied that people believe what they want to believe. The book also offers up interesting theories or claims on several historical events, such as the mysterious fate of the two princes in the tower. This is the story of the fate of the sons of Edward IV, the oldest called Edward, the 13-year-old heir to the throne of England, and his nine-year-old brother Richard, who at the death of their father in 1483 were moved to the Tower of London by their uncle, Richard Duke of York, presumably for safekeeping. But Richard Duke of York, after a few weeks, seized the throne from Edward. The princes remained in the tower and were never seen again. This event, by all accounts an unsolved murder, has been debated throughout the ages as to who ordered the murders, or at least the disappearances, of the princes in the tower. This event plays a pivotal part in the book's plot, and the solution suggested in the novel plays a defining role of Margaret's journey from isolation to ultimately becoming My Lady, the Queen's Mother. As a reader, it takes a few pages to get used to the switches between first-person narrative and third-person telling, as it sometimes happens in the middle of a chapter.
You get the hang of it, though, and in the beginning, at least, it serves to underline the emotional isolation of the young Margaret. If you know even the outline of the history of the Wars of the Roses, you will find some enjoyment in seeing the main players of that conflict make a cameo here and there. Or, as Philippa Gregory does very well, you will see them woven into the story, but from a personal perspective. However, you don't really need to know anything about the Wars of the Roses to enjoy this book, because people's motives and their allegiances are well described. The progression of the conflict is clearly told. But again, the main point in this novel is Margaret's perception of the conflict and the consequences of her own actions, which are driven by her singular point of view. The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory is an immersive historical fiction and a compelling, tragic and moving character study of one of the most important figures in a famous historical period. I hope you liked this episode. And before I go, I would like to thank the person with the handle coolair123. You have given me my first review and I am so grateful. Thank you so much. Until next time, I have been Eva. And thanks so much for listening.